So let's take our Bibles, Luke 12, and let's stand together, verses 22 through 34. 22 through 34 of Luke 12. So the Bible says here, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, we could stop there and preach on that for the next hour. The government has told us with COVID, you need to worry about your life. Now don't get me wrong, I don't want to get it. I used to say this, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to get on the next train, but I'll, I will say this. I'm at the point in my Christian life where if, he, if, if it's his will to call me home today, then I'm for it. Y'all, hear, y'all heard what I just said? Amen. I'm for it. If that's your will, God, take me home. Because he says here, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? I'll tell you what you can do by worrying. You can lose some hours to your life. Lose brain cells. Lose heartbeats, man. Make your heart hurt. Since you cannot do this, very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Isn't isn't, isn't that something that's beautiful about this part of Florida at this time of year? Are all the beautiful wildflowers everywhere? Man, I wish my yard was full of wildflowers. I would never mow until about July. Anyway. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? You could take that same principle and say, how much more will he take care of you physically and protect you from disease? Do not set your heart on what you eat, what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Wallets that will not wear out. You ever had a wallet that wore out and you lost some money because of it? I have. A hole in your wallet. A hole in your purse. So he says, provide for yourselves that which will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for your truth. As we pour into your word for just a few moments this morning, help us to walk out of here full of faith and full of trust in you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me say one other thing too before we get started. This is not to say 
that we don't take medicine. This is not to say that we don't take vaccines, right? I've had people text me this week, Pastor, is the vaccine the, 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 uh, the, um, the mark of the beast? My answer is no. You say, how can people get, go, get that? Because some people think that, that it's gonna, they're going to require, like in, in our world at some point, that if you don't have the vaccine, if you can't produce papers that you had the vaccine, that you won't be able to do commerce, meaning uh, have a business, you won't be able to buy and sell, uh, you won't be able to travel, and so forth and so on, and, 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 and maybe so. And, and that's, the Bible talks about the mark of the beast in, in such a thing. But I don't believe so. Because we've had vaccines throughout human history when pandemics have come, and they've done good for humanity. Right? I mean, how many of you remember as a kid, I re, I'm old enough, I can remember this, that when we had to go get vaccinated as children, one of the, the caveats that they would give you to keep you from crying, I, I used to have to go to the public health department in Louisiana, it was called the, the Annex in Galeana, Louisiana, and I'll never forget, I'll always remember two things about the Annex. The Annex is where they had the jail, uh, more than two things, three things, the jail, they had long needles. And they had these awesome sugar cubes. Anybody remember that? That as a kid, if you got a shot, an inoculation, and you didn't cry, they gave you a sugar cube. A sugar cube. Can you imagine that? No wonder mama wanted to whoop us when we got home, man. I was like, give me another shot right here. I got another sugar cube. You put that in your mouth, you're like, whoa. You're all jacked up. So vaccines are not bad. And so I have no problem with that. Um, I'm probably going to get it, even though I think I had COVID and I think I'm, I have the antibodies for it, but I'm not a doctor, I don't know. And I've always taken the flu vaccine, so I'm going to take it. Okay? I have no problem with that. And I encourage you to take it if you want to. But if you don't want to take it, then that's your business. I believe in freedom. If you don't want to take it, fine. That's great. I don't have any issue with that. So, and I'm not saying that people who take precautions are wrong. But I'm looking at the whole ball of wax. At some point, we got to decide we want to live. You know, the statistics prove that if you have a higher percentage of dying in a car wreck, than you do of dying from COVID. But we, don't, we, but we get in our cars, don't we? In our trucks, and we go to work, right? We go do something that we want to do. We mitigate the risk, and we say, you know what? I, I've got to do this, or I want to do it, and let's go do it. It's called living. So I want you to keep that in mind as we move forward through this. Okay, number one, here's what I want you to see. Here's my, my statement here that, that I heard this week, and I've adopted it to my life. I've never heard this statement before, and I want to share it with you. So it's up there. You can put it. Number one, I want to live as long as I live. Did you get it? I want to live as long as I live. If we don't watch it, we're going to allow unspiritual people to keep us from fully living. 
See, the government isn't pure in its ambition because the government is run by people. And government usually makes decisions based on keeping those people in power for the most part. That's what it is. And whatever they can do to stay in power, that's the only thing that makes sense as to why all of a sudden, listen, we're supposed to be living in this COVID fear that the government says that we're in. And, and in a lot of states, people can't go to church. They can't go anywhere. The, places like Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's, the coronavirus doesn't exist there, but, you, but it exists at church or at school. You can't go to those places. But then we open the southern border and we let people come in who are infected. 25% of the people coming in through the southern border right now are infected. If they cared about people, they wouldn't be doing that. Matter of fact, if they cared about families and children, they wouldn't be doing that because most people who come across the southern border come with coyotes. You know what? Not, not a dog. You know what I'm talking about, huh? Call them coyotes. They're the people that they pay to get them across or to get them through one country to the next to get into America. And a lot of parents are sending their teenagers. What kind of parent would do that? These coyotes are raping and doing all kinds of things. And so the point I'm making is this, is that the government has a plan, and their plan is not for your freedom or my freedom. That's what I believe. I believe their plan is to maintain power. And whatever they got to do to maintain power, they're going to do it as much as they can. And they're going to find ways around the Constitution of the United States of America to do it in this country. And so th the whole point of that is, is to focus on death. 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 Make you so afraid to, to, to die that you're not willing to live. And we see here in Luke, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And then he goes on and talks about the sustenance of life. Food, clothing, shelter. Those things that God is going to provide for us. He's going to give us the opportunity to be able to make that happen. And we shouldn't be overly concerned about those things. And we shouldn't worry at all about that. Look at what Galatians 2.20 says. Look at this passage of Scripture here. I have been crucified with Christ. Now look at this. And I no longer live. You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? Uh, I thought you said we need to live. But Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live by what? By fear? Nope, it says, for the life I now live in the body, I live by faith. And my faith is not in something that's abstract. My faith is in a person, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible tells me that, that God knows how many hairs I have on my head. So for some of you saying, well, that ain't too special. But yeah, he knows everything about us. Our DNA, we're wonderfully made, Psalm 139 tells us, and fearfully and wonderfully made by an awesome God. So the life that I now live now, it's not my life anymore. It's his life living through me. I live by faith in the Son of God. 
I wake up every day and have a conversation with the Son of God who lives in my heart and say, it's my life. I mean, it's your life to live through me, Lord, and, and it's not me who lives, but it's you, so live through me today. <laughs> you ever come through Atlanta north to south and south to north? There ain't no way around it. 285 ain't the answer. I've always said go through downtown. It doesn't matter. It, it might be slow, but it moves. I used to work there, so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. It took us four hours the other day to go 80 miles north to south. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, go over it, but uh, I don't have those powers. So, um, <laughs> But... GPS was trying to give me some ways around it, so I, I followed it one time. It didn't help. There was traffic there, too. So I just said, you know what? The flesh, Corey, wants to scream and holler and beat the dash and yell at people and honk my horn and all of that. But the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Well, Lord, you know what? You've got us right here. And maybe you're protecting us from an accident that's going to happen in Valdosta somewhere. And the time we're losing here, supposedly, actually we're gaining time because we're not going to end our lives. I mean, that's the way I think now that I belong to the Lord. It's, my, it's your life, not my life. And so guess what? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm here with my wife in the car and we're just having a good time and we're going real slow and there's not going to be any stress. And I'm telling you, I was not stressed out. I decided to live right there. So I want to live as long as I live. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.15, another passage that I love about life. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, you know, for me as a pastor, I have to keep thinking sometimes, you know, there are times, yes, I need to protect myself. And when COVID first happened, we didn't know. I mean, none of us knew. That's one of the things I was talking to pastors. I said, how did you feel when it first happened? And and what kind of information did you have on this date? And we were talking all about that. And, and we were all on the same page. We were all like, you know, we don't know what to do. We're being told this. We're being told, I was told that one in ten people in our church will die if we don't shut down. And on and on and on. And so we all did what we thought we could do and what we, what we had to do in order to get through it. But put that passage of Scripture up one more time. The one we just looked at. So we should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So in thinking about all of that, you realize that, you know what? I don't have the luxury. We don't have the luxury as Christians to go in a cave and never come out. We have to engage people. We, we have the life of Christ living within us. The Bible says we are the aroma of life. If Christians disappear, I'll tell you what Brother Bill will say. If Christians disappear, it's called the rapture, right? And the Holy Spirit will be taken away. And that's what's restraining evil right now. 
Now look at Matthew 5, 39. Look at this. But I tell you, that is the wrong verse. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. Man, I, I wish it would say if somebody slaps you on this cheek, let them have it. <laughs> but that's not what it says. I, I gave them the wrong passage of Scripture. Oh, well, we'll, we'll figure it out later. So the bottom line is this. I want to live as long as I live. Let's not waste the days of our lives. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, it comes and it comes and it comes, and we get in a routine, right? Oh, it's Sunday. Sometimes we wake up, let's be honest, sometimes we wake up, those of us who are committed, and we say, oh, it's Sunday, oh man, I've got to go to church today. Gosh, I wish I didn't have to. And then, I, I, get, I, don't, I don't know why people do this to me. I get texts from friends and all that. Hey, here's what I'm doing today. Here, here's what I'm doing today. Oh, hey, I got him roosted. You know, the, the, um, the turkey season opened yesterday. And I got a buddy that's hunting this morning. And he says, they're, it's like people are telling me all of that stuff. And, you know, my flesh is saying, oh, man, I wish I could be out there. But then when I come to my senses and I get out of my fog and I realize, you know, wait a minute now, I may not have another Sunday. This is what I have. The longer I live, the more I hate missing a Sunday with my church family. I can go worship somewhere else, but this is my church family. This is where I belong. And sometimes by necessity, you have to be gone. The point I'm making is that, listen, don't take for granted a Sunday. Don't. Don't take for granted your opportunities. Live. Go worship. Go make a difference. Live by faith. Number two, number two, don't run after what the pagans value. Don't run after what the pagans value. Look with me here um, in verses 29 and 30. The Bible says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink or do not worry about it. In other words, don't, don't, don't make that your life goal. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will all be given to you as well. Do not run after what the pagans are. What is a pagan? A pagan was someone who didn't believe in God, didn't live for God, so their value system was based on selfishness. Me, myself, and I. So, therefore, sexual sin... Uh, drunkenness, revelries, parties, all these things. You only have one life, so live it up. As we would say in the French world and in the Cajun world, laissez le bon temps rouler, let the good times roll. In other words, uh, carefree living. You know, the Bible says that that's what the days are going to be like when Jesus comes back. As in the days of Noah, men will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. He says, is that wrong? No, that's not necessarily wrong. But what he's saying is that people will be so consumed with the things of this world and their own personal lives and they will have no spiritual concern whatsoever. That's when Jesus is going to come. And that's what pagans do. They have no spiritual concern. They don't think about death. They don't think about having to answer for what they're doing. And I'll tell you something else. 
If I'm not a Christian during this COVID time and I'm believing a lot of what I'm hearing and I'm seeing that, you know, a healthy person can get this virus and potentially die, that would get my attention. One of the reasons I got saved was I was scared to death of hell and going there. The problem is not that pagans live a certain way. The problem is that we as Christians start living like the pagans live. We start thinking that life is about the things that we have and the things that consist of all, you know, all, the, all the things that we have that are nice things and on and on and on. I don't know about you, but there's nothing nice in this world because anything that you build, anything that you buy that's wonderful and nice is going to get dented, it's going to get scratched, it's going to rot, it's going to melt, something's going to happen to it, right? One of my vices that I have is when I go hunting, I don't, I, I don't drink this at any other time of the year, but when I do an afternoon hunt and I'm passing by a store, if I'm in a place where I'm going by a convenience store, there are two things I'm going to buy, a Mountain Dew and a Heath bar. You ever left a Heath bar in your vehicle when it was hot? There's no way to eat it except to look like a toddler when you're finished with it. That was sitting in a high chair. It will get everywhere. It'll get on your steering wheel. It'll get on your fingers, your face, all over the place. You're licking everything. You're just trying. It's all over. You're just trying. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a mess. Even, even Heath bars don't last. <laughs> I came home. We came home and uh, uh, opened the fridge, and I noticed I had some sliced cheese in a spot. Y'all ever have science experiments in your refrigerator? <laughs> I often thought, you know, man, if somebody comes to our house and looks in our refrigerator and they see this piece of cheese that looks like, you know, a body's growing on it, what are they going to think of us? And, you know, my thought was that, well, first of all, nobody comes to my house and goes, hey, man, I want to see what's in your refrigerator. But secondly, uh, guess what? Everybody else is going through the same thing. Nothing lasts anymore. You ever heard somebody say, we can't ever have nothing nice? It's because it, life is not about these things. Things disintegrate. You know, in Gatlinburg, what, it was a five, six years ago? I don't know if y'all remember this, but the big fire they had in the summer. I mean, it wiped out one side of the mountain. I mean, the, the effects of it are still there today. Trees are down everywhere. There's nothing, that, nothing green that's growing on those trees because they're burnout logs. There are old resorts that got burnt or boarded up with fences and all of that. Nothing lasts. Don't run after what the pagans run after. Don't run after what the pagans value. You and I are Christians. We're not only do we know better, but we know that those things are hollow and they don't provide you with anything. The pagans look to, to uh, alcohol and drugs to, to, to escape reality. Christians don't. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't run after what the pagans run after. That's how you can endure hard times and difficult times. You put your faith and trust in God and you live for Him. Look what 1 John 2 says. 
1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anything loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Look at that. The world and its desires. What do we say when somebody dies to clean it up a little bit? We say they've passed away, right? So the Bible's telling us that the world and all of its desires is is dying. But whoever does the will of God now, he lives for eternity, forever. So don't run after what the pagans value. Number three, what you treasure is what you value. Now, we've kind of talked about that, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but what you treasure is what you value in verses 33 through 34. What you treasure is what you value. It says here, sell your possessions and give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief come, comes near and no moth destroys. What, what happens today, the world that we live in, um, there's really no sure investment. You realize that? Now, they say that, you know, if you invest in real estate in the long term, that, you know, real estate's a good investment, and, <clears throat> and it is to some extent. <clears throat> but real estate can go up and down, right? Y'all, y'all checked what it cost to buy something today not just real estate wood estate you ever been to home depot lately listen i built a deck last year during covid when when covid first hit and we were you know so i had a little time on my hands so i had to stay busy and i remember i could buy a a a four by four post eight foot post for six dollars six dollars and eighty something cents almost seven dollars it's $15. The last time I checked was about a month ago. Everything is double, right? Property has, has, has exploded. It's a seller's market, not a buyer's market. People from up north who are in lockdown states, who have elected people, who have locked them down, are moving down to Florida and buying homes 20 and 30% over the asking price with cash to get away from where they're living up there. Because they can buy so much more. Their money goes a lot farther here. The bubble's going to burst at some point. You know that, right? Now, I'm, I'm not Dave Ramsey. But if you were thinking about selling a piece of property, like, I need some money and so I'm selling it, you better sell it. Because at some point here in the near future, it's not going to be worth what it is worth today. See, see treasures on earth or not stable and you can't take them with you anyway (laughs) the Bible says naked we came into this world and naked we shall return lastly number four faith during COVID your best days are not behind you they are before you 
Everything that's happened in the last year has been designed, I believe, by Satan to make you and I think that life used to be good, but it can never be that good ever again. Life used to be happy and fun and exciting, but it's never going to be that way. Heck, you know, as we age, we think, man, man, when I was 25 and 35 and 45 even, life was better and fun and easier than it is today, and it only, it's only going to get worse. See, that's a satanic mindset. That's what Satan wants you to believe. Look at what John 10.10 says. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal. Steal your joy. Steal your vision. Steal your passion. Steal your desire for living. And to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Until the day that you take your last breath, God wants you and me as a Christian to live our best life, meaning to live a full and meaningful life in Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we've got to realize that God is alive in us today. And if you wake up every day thinking that it will never get better than what it was, you know, particularly from a Christian standpoint, you're missing it, and you're believing the lie of Satan. I'm not saying that your life, you're going to earn more money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the best days, the days of spiritual victory. See, they're telling us about the church, that the church can never be the church again. It can never be like it used to be, and so forth and so on. And I beg to differ with them, because the Bible says that upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Your best days are not behind you. They're before you. Let me read one more scripture to you, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Romans 6, 8 through 14. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him, right? Not just in heaven, but right now. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. What is Romans 12? Now hold on to this verse here. But what is Romans 12 tells us? I must present myself as a living sacrifice. Not a dead fish sacrifice to him. Well, if he can just use me, maybe he can use me. No, man, you're alive. He wants to use you. Be usable, and he'll use you. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, that's the key. You can't let sin have dominion over you. And do not offer any part of yourself to sin as instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So, with that said, you think Christians who are facing death by crucifixion Do you think those people said, oh, well, I'm going to die, it's just over? No, man, Paul was the example. Paul was in, is in, was in jail, singing praises to God, writing Scripture as God was pouring it on him. 
God had a purpose for all of that. So I refuse to believe that the best days of the church, the best days of pastoring, the best days of Christian living are behind me. Or else why live? Right? I'm still believing that one day these pews will be filled with people again. And even more so than ever. I still believe that God wants to use us and we want to fill this baptistry up every week. I'm still believing that people can be changed and saved. I'm still believing that people who are addicted to drugs can get free. And listen, I'll make a statement that I heard this week. Listen, the truth will set you free, but biblical community will keep you free. That's why church is important. You need God's house. You need God's people. The best days are not behind us. They are ahead of us. They are before us. I don't know what it is. I guess it's the way I look. But lately I've been having people ask me, when am I going to retire? And maybe, maybe I should get the hint. Maybe like, preacher, you know, we don't like you as much and we want somebody else. Maybe, maybe I'm going to, and it's not so much you, but it's other people. Some pastors, you haven't retired yet? What do you mean retired? I'm 55. I'm just starting. What are you talking about? I'm just figuring it out. Now I got a little bit of sense to go with all this passion. Maybe. (laughs) Best days are ahead. Now, I'm not saying I mean, it may be the worst days for, for, for freedom, but it may be the best days for Christianity, for true believers. You know, you know what I think this COVID thing did? I'll tell, I, I tell you what I think it did, what I'm sensing. You know, the Bible says that there's going to be a great falling away that's going to take place, and a lot of that is tied to doctrinal error. But I think a lot of it is also tied to people are just going to become cold-hearted. That's what the Bible says about the lukewarm church, the church at Laodicea. They're neither hot nor cold. And so we had a lot of what I call for a long time, excuse me, for a long time in America, a lot of people that were lukewarm churchgoers. Excuse me. And I think what's happened. I think what's happened is that the lukewarm people who, you know, it's their tradition to go to church, it's what they were taught, they had to go, it's, you know, check that box, we'll go. Listen, now that COVID's happening, church is shut down. They're like, we don't have to go to church. And listen, and now they don't want to go to church. Some of them, some of them. See, some of our people who've just been able to come back recently, they have wanted to come to church. Like Brother Ray and Lynn and, and the, the Thomases and the Brookings and people like that. I know who, who, who want to come and who miss it. So you just, you, you just think about it. I think what COVID has done is it's, it's helped us to see who we can depend on and who want it. Because on the other hand, after one, one week, I was getting texts and emails. Hey, 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 when are we going to have church again? 
I'm like, well, hang on, man. I don't know. I want to have church. I don't know. Give us a little time. Let us figure this out. Excuse me. And see what's going on. Week three. Can we have church? Here's what the governor said. And maybe it means we can have church. Hang on. Just hang on. I want to as much as you do. And then when we opened the doors of the church, you came back. Those of you who could. You follow what I'm saying? And, you've sti- and you're still here. And you're staying with it. And some new people have come. So I believe what, what, it, what it's done is that it's caused us to, to the nominal churchgoer I'm not even going to call them Christian. Some might be Christian, some may not be. But, you know, they can stay away a, a year and, and not miss it. They ain't coming back unless they have a spiritual renewal in their heart and they find the true living God. Because the rest of us, just like we need to see our family. You know, I hadn't seen my mom and dad in 18 months. 18 months. Until a couple of weeks ago when my uncle died. And I know my parents are getting, you know, they're, they're not terribly old. They're in their early 70s, Bruce. Right? That's not old, right? But I'm not dumb either. I understand that, you know, time is marching on. I wanted to be with them. I wanted to see them while they were still here. Because there's coming a day where I'm not going to be able to see them. Possibly. Here on this earth. So just like you long for your family. You long for your spiritual family. You need them. You want them. And you're grateful when you have that opportunity. So our best days are not behind us. They're before us. I talked to Brother Eric and Brother Cameron. It's been now two or three months about, I think we mentioned it one time. We haven't had much of a chance to talk about it, but I mentioned it to them that I don't know what it's going to take, when it's going to happen, when we're going to be able to do it. But I long for the days that we, you remember when you used to, I don't know if you remember this, but those of you from years ago used to go to church when we had revival meetings. Now I'm old enough to remember where it started on Sunday morning and ended the following Sunday night. Like a week later, then life got busy, so we went. We we moved it down to Monday to uh, Sunday to Friday. Then we chopped it down Sunday to Wednesday. Basically, five messages, five worship services, and it got to where people weren't coming to that. But I can tell you this, that I remember that when people would come on a Sunday morning, then they'd come back on a Sunday night, and then they would come back on a Monday. There was something about a revival meeting and going to church every night that did something to our spirits and did something to our soul. And by Tuesday and Wednesday, a lot of those people were ready to either get saved or get right with God because they were under the preaching and teaching of the Word. And so I was talking to them about, I don't know if we can ever do something like that, but we can, we can come up with some creative ways to do something on a weekend. But we, we need to be able to gather in a revival setting 
because I think the singing of the Word, the preaching of the Word, the praying together, the time that we're together as a family has a spiritual impact upon our lives. And I, I pray for not just a revival meeting, but for revival. And I believe those days are coming. I really do. And I believe that the church, until Jesus comes back, is going to always have a remnant. And that remnant will always be fired up for Him. And that remnant will, all, will always be obedient to Him. And that remnant, however many it is, will always be serving and being faithful to Him, regardless of the circumstances of the world in which we live. We think we have it bad. I'm complaining about, you know, how long it took me to go from 80 miles from one end of Atlanta to the other. But I was thinking about the Tacoa men in World War II, the paratroopers, the 506 and the 101st who trained at Tacoa. And when they were finished with their Tacoa training, the last thing they had to do was march in the wintertime. From Tacoa, Georgia, which is <clears throat> almost in North Carolina up there, march from there to Fort Benning in Columbus. The hours and hours and the blisters and all that they went through. And here I am complaining about it taking me four hours to go 80 miles in a car that's air conditioned or it's got a heater in it or what have you. When we look back on this COVID era, we might be a little embarrassed on how tough we thought it was compared to what other people in the world have gone through. Think about Christians in Germany. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was executed just two days before the war ended because he was an enemy of the state of Germany solely because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think I have it bad sometimes. So, I believe in this COVID era, it's time to exhibit our faith. Our faith is a living faith. It's a walking faith. It's an alive faith. And prior to COVID, we used to talk about faith over fear, faith over fear, faith over fear. And now all we do, now I say we, I mean, uh, uh, the, uh, America does, is just we get in a corner and we tremble in fear at everything that could happen to us. I tell you, the people that are leading the way, it's Christians. It's Christianity. And I'll tell you something that I'm, I'm happy about. That w this COVID thing has made the lines a little bit clearer, in my opinion. You have people that all they're concerned about is not getting this thing. And they forget everything else. Let me ask you all this. I end with this. I said that about 20 minutes ago, but we're done. What? That's right. <clears throat> Condition you. I was told when I came to preach here for the very first time in 1995, preach for two hours on your first Sunday. When you become pastor, 
The next Sunday, preach for 90 minutes and tell him you let him out early. <laughs> Y'all don't like that one, do you? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I guess what I was going to say is not that important. So, let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here among us. And we thank you that we as Christians don't have to live like the rest of the world, cowering down in fear. Not saying that we don't take these things seriously. I don't want to walk into a COVID hotbed. I don't want to catch it. But at the same time, Father, I know that we have to live. And there's so many other things that can cause our demise that we don't even give any attention to. And yet, the statistics prove that those things are more dangerous than a virus. So, Father, help us to have perspective and help us to be people full of faith in a world that so desperately needs an answer. Let us as Christians be the ones pointing others, serving others, holding the door open for others, ministering to others. And may they see our good works and in, in, in that same opportunity when they want to praise us, we, we take no praise for ourselves and we point them to Jesus, the one who changed our lives. So God help us. Please, God, I'm asking you to use Jonesville in this community to be a place where people can find hope, find courage, find life, find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Father, may our best days be before us and not behind us. And may we live with enthusiasm for the things that you have for us, not in dread or in fear. Thank you, Father, for the vaccine. Thank you for the fact that people are getting better. Thank you that people are waking up. Thank you for keeping so many of our people healthy. We praise you. We honor you. Now, if there's somebody in this place today that you have never truly received Christ, I'm not talking about being religious praying every now and then there has to be a moment of transformation in your life if that has not truly happened you right where you are in prayer just call out to him and say god say something like this god i'm a sinner i need you i'm putting my faith and trust in you right now i'm giving you my life i want to be a new creation in you and i want to live for you as pastor was just talking about Please forgive me, God, and help me to grow as a Christian. Learn the things that I don't know right now and how to apply my new faith to my life. Man, if you prayed that prayer right where you are, I want you to know you, God saved you. And I, 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 I want to do this. I, I want you to come and tell me that He did that for you here when we start to sing in just a moment then the altar will be open for some of you who want to come, whoever that might be, and just pray. Lord, have your way in us. And I pray it in Jesus' name as Brother Eric and our worship team leads us. Let's sing and let's obey and let's follow him wherever he leads.